Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel. She's broadcasting from home today, along with our About Mansfield news team. We appreciate you being here today. This is episode 27, and on this episode, we have news and local weather for the upcoming week. And, as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to 360 Brunch House. Let's take a look at this week's headlines. Early voting has begun in Mansfield. COVID-19 virus can continues to spread in Mansfield. Mansfield Farmers Market opens to a better than expected crowd. North Texas cities offer ways for you to watch fireworks in comfort. Possessing fireworks could add to the cost of the retail price. And Alexa is here with the weather and we have an in-studio interview with Mansfield Heritage Foundation President Dr. Christopher Ohan. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Hi, this is John with Pool-Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at PoolAid.net. That's PoolAid.net. We're here for you. In 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's Safety Net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. Hi, I'm Adam Larson, Operations Manager at the Mansfield Star Center, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Early voting has begun in Mansfield, which should be a very easy task this time around since the election is a runoff from a previous one. The Democratic ballot has two races— one for U.S. Senate and the other for Railroad Commissioner, while the Republican ballot has just one race, a Justice, 2nd Court of Appeals District, Place 7. If coronavirus is a concern, it is recommended that you bring your own writing pen, wear a mask, and use hand sanitizer that is provided at the polls before and after casting your ballot. Early voting takes place at the Mansfield Sub Courthouse located at 1100 East Broad Street and runs through July 10th, with the exception of being closed July 3rd and 4th for the Independence Day holiday. Election Day is Saturday, July 14th. COVID-19 epidemic is not getting any better in Mansfield, and why can't science make up its mind about masks? Filing from home, About Mansfield's roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the story. Thanks, Steve. This week, the virus has continued to spread in Mansfield. We have a small number of active cases, but we've been getting more rather than fewer cases each week. Every day, Tarrant County reports how widespread the virus is in its many cities, including Mansfield. On Monday, June 29th, 2020, the county reported 242 Mansfieldians as having tested positive since the start. 111 of these are estimated to have recovered and seven have died. Of the 242 total cases, we had 44 new cases in just this past week, much bigger than the prior weeks where we had 25 and the week before 17. Thankfully, there have been no new deaths for two weeks. 
If you subtract the 111 recovered and 7 deceased Mansfieldians from the 242 total infected ones, you get 124 fellow citizens who today could pass the virus to other citizens. This 124 is higher than previous weeks. Also, as Mansfield's numbers are still increasing, experts suggest there are an unknown number of undiagnosed cases walking around in town, able to infect others, some with no symptoms, and most not knowing they have it. What happens if I get the virus in Mansfield today? Well, we can make a prediction using data from the state of Texas. Of all the Texans who have tested positive since the start, 8.5% end up in the hospital and 1.6% die. If we apply this to what amounts to 121 new cases in Mansfield so far in June, 10 of these 121 folks would have to go to the hospital and two would die. Of the 10 in the hospital, two or three would have to be in an intensive care unit. Some people who don't have to go to the hospital will be miserable for days or weeks at home. Why can't science make its mind up about masks? In March, they told us we did not need to wear masks. In June, now we have to. What's the deal? If you separate out all of the overheated reporting, it is mainly because of how science really works. Here is my understanding as your science reporter of what public health experts are saying. Back in March, the medical world was still trying to figure out how the virus spreads among people. We had research and analysis from other companies where it first spread and initial data from the east and west coast, but it was still inclusive about the main ways the virus spread. Prior experience at containing similar viruses, SARS and MERS, never required the public to wear masks, as a person could only spread the virus after they had symptoms. Back then, they were quickly identified quarantined. We never had to wear masks. Even with a large sample of cases of COVID-19 exploded in the east and west coast, researchers weren't able to find the statistically significant ways one person catches the virus from another as only a few cases were able to be contact traced since, since the system was overwhelmed. Science caught up in the last couple of months as we flattened the curve and researchers learned that the spread is mostly caused by proximity to an infected person in close quarters indoors. Coughing or sneezing, speaking vigorously or singing will pass the virus more efficiently as aerosols and droplets that come out of our mouths. Apparently, us humans put out a lot of aerosols and droplets all the time. Researchers also found that some people with no symptoms can pass the virus to others, an alarming difference from prior virus epidemics. So today, we know we need to keep our distance, wear a mask when out, wash your hands a lot, avoid big, dense crowds, and if you're older or sick like me, stay home as much as you can. This familiar, boring guidance comes from today, our county judge or governor, the vice president of the USA, and his advisors. While frustrating, this is a normal science story. Science changes its mind all the time, but usually on a glacially slow process involving thousands of research papers over decades, and nobody but the experts notice. I'm grateful that they worked as fast as they could this time. The research may well yet have other insights on the virus in the future, so we need to pay attention. This is doubly frustrating, as in school, most of us got the impression that science was a body of stable facts to be learned and applied. Our progress as humans has depended on this notion of reuse of useful ideas, and we've done really well as a species following this idea. However, this impression of stable scientific knowledge is wrong. As science is a journey of rigorous observing new things and contentiously discussing what it means, it's a journey, not a destination. 
Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. The Mansfield Farmers Market opened their 2020 season on Saturday. Manager Pam Camo said the turnout was awesome. Oh, it was great. It's so much better than everybody expected. We were so happy to see everybody, even though, you know, it's opening two months late and we haven't had a lot of time to advertise for it. So many of our great citizens came out. Camo told me that the market is taking precautions during the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, well, right now we are making sure that every vendor's tent is six feet away from each other. Um, We're encouraging them to only have one customer in their booth at a time, and they are wearing masks. It's not required yet for an outdoor event that's under 100 people at one time. We're really reminding people to wear a mask to the market when you come and see us. It helps both ways if our visitors can wear the masks and our vendors can wear the masks. This year's market not only has many of the same vendors as years past, but several new faces as well. Oh, we've got some great new vendors. We have three new produce vendors, and they're all local. Uh, they're all growing in either Mansfield or a neighboring city. And uh, we have one that is growing organic vegetables as well. We have a couple of new bakers. We have one that is selling macarons, those, those little pretty colored cookies that everybody likes. We finally got her in. We're very excited about it. And of course, there's the big pink tent. The big pink tent that is for our wonderful musicians. We always try to have somebody out there to entertain our guests. And um, we do appreciate tips for those guys because they're actually working for free. They just want to come out and celebrate being outside. And will the market be open on Independence Day? Yes, we will. We are going to be open. So come on down 8 o'clock to noon this Saturday, July 4th. You can find the Mansfield Farmer's Market at the corner of Broad and Walnut Creek in the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store parking lot. Fourth of July is this weekend, and that usually means packing up the family and making the short trek to Big League Dreams to watch fireworks at the annual Rockin' Fourth event. Due to the coronavirus, the city council voted back in May to cancel the event, but you still have options. Addison's Kaboomtown fireworks will be streamed live on their YouTube channel on Friday, July 3rd, while Fort Worth's fireworks will be streamed on their website, fortworthsforth.com, with a choreographed soundtrack on 95.9 FM, The Ranch. Go forth and enjoy. Speaking of fireworks, possessing purchased pyrotechnics within city limits could be costly. About Mansfield's Robbie Terry has the story. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission states that fireworks were involved with an estimated 10,000 injuries treated in the U.S. hospital emergency rooms in 2019. Children younger than 15 years of age accounted for 36% of those injuries. Mansfield Fire Rescue Assistant Fire Chief Jeff Smith said that, simply put, fireworks are illegal within Mansfield city limits. The International Fire Code that we have adopted says that the possession, manufacture, storage, sale, handling, and use of fireworks within the city of Mansfield is prohibited. Uh, There's a small little clause that allows for the transport through the city limits, but they cannot be opened or accessible while in the vehicle. If caught with fireworks, they can be confiscated if you are setting them off within city limits. 
but it's the fine that'll set you back a pretty penny. The fire marshal's office can uh, write fines and tickets up to $2,000 for each incident where you're caught with fireworks. That's a hefty penalty for something as simple as a sparkler. Sparklers are, are classified as a firework and illegal within the city limit. Chief Smith added the use and misuse of fireworks can also lead to damages to personal property and grass fires that can spread out of control. And that spreads their crews pretty thin. You know, anyone who's lived here has heard, can hear them every night around the 4th of July going off. It's all, it overwhelms the, uh, the first responders, definitely. If you encounter illegal fireworks within city limits, you can call the Mansfield Police non-emergency number at 817-473-0211. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Robbie Terry. Saturday is Independence Day. Yeah, it's the 4th of July. It's also National Sidewalk Egg Frying Day, which reminds me of my friends Edie and Eddie. Edie eagerly eats elegant Easter eggs, while each Easter, Eddie eats 80 Easter eggs. Let's find out if Mother Nature is going to allow us to fry an edible, delectable sunny side up on the sidewalk this week. Alexa? In Mansfield for the next seven days. Wednesday, 99 degrees Fahrenheit and partly sunny weather. Thursday, 100 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Friday, 100 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Saturday, 98 degrees and thunderstorms. Sunday, 97 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Monday, 95 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Tuesday, 94 degrees and partly sunny weather. Perfect weather to fry an egg on the sidewalk. The Tarrant Regional Water District recommends that the majority of lawn owners in Mansfield leave the sprinklers off this week due to heavy rainfall last week. You may want to check your soil moisture and add up to a quarter inch of water later in the week if needed. Infrequent and deep watering is what you want to build strong roots. For more watering and irrigation tips, log on to waterisawesome.com. That's a look at news and weather. If you have a news tip that you would like us to follow up on, send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. That again is news at aboutmansfield.com. Just a reminder to follow this podcast so you will be automatically notified when a new episode is released. The easiest way is to log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and enter your email address under the Follow Podcast by Email heading on the homepage. And if you own an Amazon device, listening is as easy as saying, Alexa, play the About Mansfield podcast. You can also ask Siri to play the About Mansfield podcast on Apple devices. Coming up after the break, an in-studio interview with Texas Wesleyan University Professor of History, Dr. Christopher Ohan. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team. And this is About Mansfield. It has literally carved the landscape of the planet itself. Yet beyond its beauty and its grace, it is essential to life itself. Water, it's awesome. Enjoy it. Just don't waste it. Visit waterisawesome.com. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, inviting you to make our thrift store your one stop for shopping, donating, and volunteering. When neighbors buy your donations, the proceeds help other Mansfield neighbors in need with free services including financial assistance, employment help, food, medical, dental, and vision care. Voted Best Thrift Store in 2019 by Living Magazine, the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store is located at Broad and Walnut Creek. For more details, visit our website at Mansfield mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Hey everyone, Nolan Ryan here. 
As we open Texas for business, we all need to work together in the fight against COVID-19. As Texans, we need to be responsible. We need to be smart. So when you leave the house, don't be a knucklehead. Wash your hands, socially distance yourself from others, and wear a mask. Do the right things. Look out for your fellow Texans, and together we'll make it through this. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, and in the uh, studio today we have a guest who is... Uh, He's a world traveler. We'll find out more about that in just a second. He's an associate dean of the School of Arts and Sciences and professor of history at Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth. He served for nearly three years from 2017 to 2019 as president of the Mansfield Historical Society. For eight years, he lived and worked in Kuwait, serving as chair of the Department of the International Relations at the American University of Kuwait. He was a senior Fulbright fellow at the Moscow State Institute of International Relations, where he spent nearly three years gathering life histories, which focus on the end of the Soviet period. He teaches courses in European and American history, as well as oral history. And most importantly, he's a Mansfield resident. Dr. Christopher Ohan, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. May I call you Chris? You can. You're a world traveler. Not only a world traveler, you're a world resident. I, according to your, your three-page CV, uh, you've lived in Kuwait, you've lived in Russia, Italy, Mexico. It all started here in Texas and came back to Texas. Talk about your travels. Well, I grew up in Bedford, um, not too far from here, and went to university in the area. And as part of my university experience, I participated almost every summer in a study abroad experience. And I went to Mexico and I went to England and I went to Italy. And those are places that you just named because I would go back to them repeatedly. And so when I started my graduate career and I was working as an adjunct, I got involved in taking students abroad. And so I was bit by the bug. There's no better way to learn the history of a place than to go there and sort of experience it secondhand. What was your favorite city or place to live? My favorite place to live was Moscow, Russia. And why? Because it's, of all of the places I've lived, it is undoubtedly the most happening place. There's always something going on. It's truly a city that's alive all of the time. People say that about New York City, but I've never lived in New York City. But I can definitely say that that is true about Moscow. There's always cultural events. Um, there's history. There's theater. There's museums. It has everything anybody could want. I know very little about Moscow or Russia in general, so... Uh, but you mentioned before we went on on the program today that, that it should be added to my bucket list. It certainly should be. You were in uh, Kuwait for eight years. And when a typical American thinks of, of Arab countries, that it's a dangerous place to live. But Kuwait was not dangerous. No, despite the fact that it's sort of sandwiched between Iraq and Iran, um, I've never felt unsafe while I was living there. Um, I lived there, as you said, for eight years. And having that, that tenure there, I, I had students that would then graduate, and Kuwait is so small, and they lived there. And so they would become friends. And we'd spend, I actually learned how to falcon. I, I uh, used falcons for hunting. So falconry was a skill that I picked up while I was there. Wow. And so I think when you, whenever you get into a culture of a place and it becomes sort of a second home, then it loses that, that foreignness and it, it feels safer. 
going full circle then again, all right, you started in Bedford, you've traveled all over the world. Why Mansfield? How did you wind up in Mansfield? I, I actually purchased a home here while I was living in Kuwait. Um, I, I wanted to <laughs> plant some roots, and I had hoped that I'd come back to this area. As, as you know, I grew up here, and I have family here, and so... Uh, it was right after the, the right about the time of the 2008 crisis, right. and I got a good deal, and I bought a, a place sight unseen, uh, and have lived here since then. And as a Mansfield resident, you wanted to get involved with the community. You are a historian. Uh, your PhD is in is in humanities and philosophy, but uh, you are a a teacher of history. I am. A student of history. Uh, you were part of the board of the Mansfield Historical Society, and you are now a board uh, member of the current uh, Mansfield Heritage Foundation. First of all, what's the difference between the two, and, and what did you do on that board, and what do you do on this current board? Well, as soon as I, I moved back from Kuwait and moved into my home in here in Mansfield, I wanted to get involved in local history. That's always been something that's intrigued me. Uh, like I said about studying abroad, you, you learn the, the history of the place where you are. And so I knew that there was a historical museum downtown. At the time, it was run by the Mansfield Historical Society. And so I attended one of their meetings, and within... Within a year, um, I was asked to take over as president of the society. And that was in 2017? It was. And what were your duties as the president of the Historical Society? Well, at that point, as I said, the Historical Society owned and operated the museum. It's now uh, owned and operated by the city. And so it was to, to oversee that, to oversee the employee there. But I saw my role as trying to bring an awareness of Mansfield's history to the community itself. So uh, I changed a little bit uh, of the direction of the society and I turned our monthly meetings into events where we'd bring in speakers and we'd talk about different facets of Mansfield's history. In managing the museum back in, in uh, 2017 for those uh, two years, close to three years, how accurate uh, did the history of Mansfield, how accurate do you think it was portrayed in, in the museum? Well, I think in the museum, it's accurately portrayed, but it's selectively portrayed. Um, the museum uh, basically gives an overview of the very early years of Mansfield's history with uh, Mr. Mann and Mr. Field and the mill and the, the town growing out. And the Farr family. And, and the Farr family. Sure. And, and we, we did events that involved the Farr Best Theater. We did a, a, a nice exhibition uh, for the anniversary of the, or the commemoration, I should should say, of the Red Ball fire that, sure. and the Red Ball explosion that happened up in Kennedale. Uh, up in Kennedale. And we did an exhibition in, in conjunction with the Mansfield Fire Department there. And so we were, we were doing some, some, some uh, programming events to change a, a bit of the museum itself because it has sort of a static narrative in there. And the more I got involved in learning about Mansfield's history, because I came here sort of sight unseen in terms of the history. And I learned very quickly that Mansfield had a pivotal role in the history of desegregation and segregation in the United States. And it's, it's a subject 
that is not portrayed in the museum or was not portrayed in the museum when the Mansfield Historical Society controlled it. Now, this goes back to 1956 with the um, when the NAACP with the court order said it was time to open up, uh, allow the, the black students into a uh, an exclusively white Mansfield High School. And th- that did not happen until 1965 with the, the Civil Rights Act. And and this, again, is, is not portrayed in, in the museum. Hmm. And this was a... Uh, the reason why you re, uh, resigned from the society and went to the Heritage Foundation, or uh, tell me how you that transition took place. Well, it just so happened it, it was not by design, uh, but it, it happened that we were doing more things to sort of resurrect this history and talk more about this history openly and sponsor events that would uh, inform the community of this. In fact, one of our events that we had. Um, back in the spring of 2019 was we brought in an archivist from the National Archives here in Fort Worth. Or I should say down the street in Fort Worth. I'm used to being on campus. <laughs> yeah. And um, she she talked about the case itself because the National Archives here in Fort Worth, there in Fort Worth, um, holds all the court documents related to the case. So she walked us through the case and some of the things that we learned. So we brought her in to give a talk, and she had slides. And it was basically an, an informative talk. She, as a government employee, wasn't going to, to, to cast it a certain way. She was just going... Going to report the facts. And we learned some things. One of the reasons the NAACP picked Mansfield as, as a, a place to challenge segregation, because the year before, you, you know, the, it was the Brown versus Board of Education decision. Right. And so the in, in 1955, the idea was, well, we need a test case. The NAACP needed to test this with a, a school district that was not desegregating. And it turned out that Mansfield had just within that decade, decade, built a brand new elementary school for the black children. And so they truly had, and it was the same, the same architect that had designed the elementary school for the white children. And so it truly was separate but equal, at least in the architecture. And so they wanted to get close to that. And we found all this out as Jenny Sweeney was laying out the case as it was presented. And so we were learning things about that and, and that it went to the, the, the court, the district court in Fort Worth, and they upheld the opinion of the school district, which challenged, obviously, uh, they didn't want to desegregate. And so they did not desegregate based on that decision. And then it went on appeal. And the appeal court at the time, the appellate court, was in uh, New Orleans. And New Orleans overturned the decision from Fort Worth and ordered the Mansfield ISD to desegregate. And that's when the trouble started. Um, the school board was uh, was in the process of trying to desegregate, but the problem was the, I don't know if it was certain citizens or certain people in Mansfield did not want that to happen. And so the, when they were trying to sign these students up, these black students up to attend the high school, then uh, sort of all hell broke loose. And this was part of the uh, the 2019 luncheon with the archivist, uh, and, and it was called Integration and Forgiveness. You had posted on Facebook June 10th recounting that not only the uh, the luncheon, but the society's uh, 
view on, I guess, segregation or integration history, and that uh, according to your Facebook post, uh, a representative of the Historical Society came to you and said, you're doing too many black things, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. That led to your resignation. You, uh, you said you, had, you could either be fired or resign. Okay. So we did the, the talk with the National Archivist person. And uh, then we we always, it's the president's responsibility of the society to find the speaker. We have a luncheon every October and uh, the luncheon always has a speaker. And so I thought, well, we just had this talk from the National Archives individual. And we happen to know Brenda Norwood. She's a well-known person in this community. And she was, she actually attended uh, both the black school and then an integrated Mansfield High School. And we thought, who better to talk and describe her experience? And so I worked with her and she was apprehensive at first because she knew that it was a story that uh, a a lot of people in Mansfield, particularly the older residents, uh, they know about it, but it's not something that they talk about. I don't know if it's it's a sense of shame or a sense of a personal responsibility, uh, but uh, uh, she, I did convince her to come, and so she titled the talk to do with reconciliation and forgiveness. Sure. Uh, and that, w- that was her whole approach to it. And she gave a wonderful talk, um, and it was shortly after uh, that meeting, or about the same time as that meeting, that I was approached, as you said, uh, and told, you can either step down or we will vote you out. And it, it just so happened that we did the, the National Archives talk. We did the, uh, the talk from Brenda Norwood. Uh, we had published in our newsletter uh, some information about Juneteenth. Brenda Norwood and her husband always do the Juneteenth celebration here in Mansfield. For 34 years. Uh, for a long time. For 34 years. And, 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 and unfortunately, this weekend's was canceled because of COVID-19. But the first time in 34 years, Brenda uh, has, yeah, and her husband. And it just so happened that the Historical Society introduced a scholarship to Mansfield High School students where they could write on any topic, and then it would be judged by a committee, and we would give them a scholarship to pay for their books for their first year of school, of college. And it turns out, you know, when students start researching or finding out about Mansfield's history, there's a couple of really exciting things, the Red Ball is kind of exciting. Um, and the, the the segregation integration thing is also, I think it draws students because they want to know about it. And they're, they're kind of intrigued that we had something like this in our community. And so it just so happened that the winner, actually every submission that year for the scholarship was on 1956-57, the wow. whole integration thing. <laughs> and so it, it did look to some, just some of the general membership that we were doing nothing but focusing on that event. And it did make some of the, the old guard feel a bit ill at ease. And like I said, the, the, this, this old guard are the ones that had put together the museum itself. Right. And there's no portrayal, as we've said, of this incident in the museum. And I think that's what prompted them to asked me to step down. But you not only stepped down, there were several others on the board that stepped down with you. Four of us in total stepped down. And we we deconstituted the board in such a way that they could not meet until they had elections again. Because they didn't have a quorum. Yeah. 
the members that stepped down from the Historical Society, are all four of them part of the foundation? Yeah, all four of us are part of the foundation. In fact, when we stepped down almost immediately, I was contacted by a member of the city council. Uh, and this member of the city council was impressed with some of the things that the Historical Society was doing in terms of its education programs and, and, and trying to talk to the community about its past, and particularly the aspect of reconciliation. I think having Brenda Norwood as our featured speaker last fall uh, was fundamental in that. And with the the changing of the guard, so to speak, of the historical society, the idea was that stuff was going to stop. And this individual wanted that to continue, and he planted the idea in my head and a couple of us that... Uh, form another organization, you have my support, and continue doing what you're doing. And so that's how the Mansfield Heritage Foundation was born. And with the foundation, are you attempting to make change or at least bring 1956 into the museum? It's a part of Mansfield history. And if you go to the historical museum, it should be there. It's not in the museum yet. Uh, if you look at the Mansfield his History Book, which is available at the Historical Museum, right. if I can market it for a moment, um, there is a very nice section that gives a, a wonderful overview of the whole desegregation issue in Mansfield. Um, we are not specifically looking at that issue. What we're doing is we're supporting the activities of the director of the museum. And, and she is committed to bringing these sorts of stories uh, into the museum. And I know just over the past couple of weeks, we've received some messages from her and from some high school students here in the community that would like to assist with putting together an exhibition. And so the Heritage Foundation is volunteering to work with those students because we have the experience of putting together an exhibition so that it could be curated by those high school students as well as us and then eventually become part of the exhibition at the museum. That's our hope. We're also working with, as, as you know, I think you've had someone on, your, on, the, on the program about the man house and the restoration there. Right. We're working with the city and with the director of the historical museum to put together some literature, doing some research. There's not really any good text in terms of a narrative about Mr. Mann. And so we're putting together all that stuff because that uh, house will open. Well, it keeps getting delayed, but hopefully it'll <laughs> open uh, by the end of the summer. And so some of that literature will be there. Right. The last I heard was somewhere August, maybe early September. <laughs> it was supposed to be early this year. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's call them construction delays. <laughs> yeah, I was out there. I was out at the dog park just last week, and I noticed that uh, they're starting with the siding and, and doing that. It's looking very good. Yeah. And Mansfield should be proud. Uh, most places don't have the an original home of their founder. We're talking with Dr. Christopher Ohan, president of the Mansfield Heritage Foundation. We're going to pick up part two of this interview next week, where we'll get into talking about the removal of Confederate statues and school history textbooks. Be sure to tune in next week on About Mansfield. We'll be right back. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. 
With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. We're here for you. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We welcome all feedback about the program, whether it's about a specific news story or feature that you heard. Feel free to chime in by sending us an email to comments at aboutmansfield.com or ring us on the phone. Leave us a voicemail at 817-435-2938. That again is 817-435-2938. We will read or play back some of the comments in a future episode. Let's hear about this week's trivia winner in what was undoubtedly the most difficult question to date. Colleen. Congratulations to April Mendenhall, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. How many zip codes border Mansfield? And can you name them? According to the United States Postal Service website, 12 zip codes border Mansfield. And instead of boring you with the entire list, log on to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the links tab to see the list. April has won a $25 gift card to Fish City Grill. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Hi, I'm George Strait. We all know that being Texan means being friendly. And as we open Texas back up, it's important that we stay extra friendly by thinking about all our fellow Texans. So go on. Write this down. Take a little note to remind you of these friendly things you can do to help defeat COVID-19. Wash your hands regularly, wear a face mask, and stay six feet apart from others in public. Let's show the world what it means to be Texan by staying safe and staying friendly. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to 360 Brunch House, serving breakfast for the neighborhood. Located on Broad Street in the shadows of Newsom Stadium, you can find them on the internet at 360brunchhouse.com. Let's get to this week's question. Colleen? Well, Steve, Big League Dreams in Mansfield celebrated its 12th birthday this spring. The California-based company has 11 locations throughout the United States on which baseball or softball players can play ball on fields that replicate present-day or former Major League Baseball fields. Mansfield's location has eight replica fields. This week's trivia question is, name the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, name the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams in Mansfield. 
Good luck. And thanks to Nick and Al at 360 Brunch House for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's our usual array of news, talk, and information, including part two of our in-studio interview with Texas Wesleyan Professor of History, Dr. Chris Ohan. The show will be released on Wednesday, July 8th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. We thank you for listening. For Colleen Daniel and the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. Mansfield.